What is up, guys? Welcome to another episode of Official Visit, the podcast about college baseball recruiting by players for players. I'm Joe Jimenez here with Jared Penniman, and today we have episode two of five of our coaching series. Today we have Georgia Gwinnett head coach Jeremy Schiedinger, also known as Sheets. Georgia Gwinnett is an NAIA school located in Lawrenceville, Georgia, and let me tell you, this team is legit. They finished as the number three ranked NAIA team in the nation before COVID shut the season down. Um, they had their number one starter sign with the Astros this summer. Plain and simple, Sheets brings in legit talent to help this team win and gets his players to the next level. Um, in this episode, we're going to go over a couple things. You know, what Sheets looks for in a player that he's recruiting, um, whether that's in the transfer portal or high school guys, um, the similarities and differences between NAIA and NCAA schools, and how he makes decisions on scholarships and money. So let's go. Sheets, just want to thank you so much for coming on the podcast. How are you doing? I'm great, Jared. Joe, appreciate you guys having me on, man. I'm looking forward to the convo. Of course, of course. So we just want to start. Um, first question, what do you look for in a player for your program? You know, and I, I love talking through this because I think it's it's got so many legs to it. When you're talking about our program here at Georgia Gwinnett, and I know you guys both being on a really talented, you know, Chapman team, when you're at the top of your level, I mean, the player difference really, in, in my eyes, and just to educate parents and coaches, it mimics a mid-major to upper mid-major division one program and that's the level of talent that we have within our within our uh, our walls and so when you're looking for players i think it comes back to what is the blueprint for building a program that can stay at the top of you know any particular level and for us it's heavy in the transfer world so to We've been a program since our ninth year as, as ever having a baseball program. And since we've been eligible for the poll, we've been ranked in the top 10, a lot of that inside the top five. Well, to stay inside that, you've got to reload every year. You don't have these rebuild seasons. So that makes our basically our pool for candidacy for you know players to come into our program. And we need you to come in and compete right away. So like a high school player, we feel like if we sign a high school guy, he needs to be able to walk in here at 18, 19 and compete for the job or he's going to get lost in the shuffle along the way. So we spend a lot of time on the junior college trails. Certainly, as you guys know, what's changed with COVID and everything else that's come with that, we've been able to get a lot of Division One transfers and have their ears. And so I think when it comes to that, that's the talent pool we're looking from. If we grade out our class and percentage, it's probably going to be you know, 90% transfer and 10% high school. We do want a couple of those high school guys in each class. That way you always have that consistent – you know, growth within our program, but the right fit is the right fit. As, as you guys well know, and, and certainly as you talk with other coaches, it is about the fit. And so like one thing that's heavy on my mind is a lot of the folks we're talking to, it's especially in junior college. And, and, and certainly if they're transferring from a division one, you say, hey, I'm interested in talking to you about Georgia Gwinnett. Well, coach, I, you know, I really want to go play D one. And, you know, that's really what I'm, what I'm focused on. Oh, okay. Well, let me ask you a couple questions. And what those questions come back to are, I mean, how important is winning to you? You know, do you like to be around competitive people? Do you, how, do, how much do you value player development, but personal development? Uh, what kind of environment do you want to go train in for the next few years? What are the goals of the program you want to play in? And that to me just comes back to, I, I find out really quick, are you really chasing a sweatshirt? 
or you chase an environment that you get a chance to go play and win your last game. That's a totally different sometimes experience. Not every program in Division One talks about Omaha and recruiting. And I, and again, I, unapologetically, that's that's where we come in, and I think it's an educational process and say, hey, they bring up Omaha. You know why? Because it ain't real. And if it ain't real, and you know it's not real, it's it's finishing fifth in your conference. Then why is that a place that you want to go? You just profess to me that you love to win. And so when you start to kind of drill that down, you're I'm really looking for highly competitive and driven people, folks that are intrinsically motivated. We've put 22 kids in professional baseball in eight seasons. So, like, if you have dreams of aspirations of playing professional baseball, here is the program for you. Here is what we do. And, oh, by the way, we've averaged 47 wins per year. Again, we've been ranked in the top five. I don't say that to brag. I say that to educate. And we got a chance mm -hmm. to go literally train and compete to win our last game every season. Does that excite you? Oh, by the way, we've got facilities that are Division One facilities. We choose to play NAI baseball. So that's where I'm coming back to is I, when you're talking about the right player, you know, I think the the motivation on the on the insides got to mimic what we're about. We we can't hang out with weak or timid players. They when you when you have a target on your back the way our program does at times, we've got to have dudes that are tough, guys that embrace challenges, guys that want to work, want to be, you know, drilled upon. We we get on our guys at a 10, but we love them at a 20. That's a that's a totally different experience for some guys. So um, you know, we can get into the skill set stuff. I think it's basic. You're talking about really, really good baseball players, guys that have skills. Um, we're not into projects that, that sometimes doesn't take, give us enough time. We have a limited roster. We don't have a full 50, 60 man roster. We have a 35 man roster and we've got to manage that with guys that can compete for the job. So that hope that lays out again, just kind of, and we can dive in any other route you want to go, but hope that lays out kind of the, the framework in which we work within. I, th I honestly think that was that was awesome right there and guys if you haven't checked out georgia gwinnett's facilities pause this podcast right now and go check them out because like sheets just said it's it was very very impressive the first time that i saw it but sheets i want to get into a little bit more um kind of dissect your roster a little bit more sure. you talked about 90 percent kind of in that transfer transfer pool but then that 10 percent of high school players is the majority because you said you guys are heavy on that juco uh transfer portal mm -hmm. uh, is i mean it, break it down for me is it is it majority juco are you getting d1 d2 bounce backs um and then two like are they are they leaving those d1 d2 programs because like you said they get there and in their recruiting pitch they talk about omaha they talk about going to carry and competing for a national championship and you get there and it's like, okay, well, like, that's like the second thing on our mind. Like, let's, let's just try to win the conference. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. So um, this is a little bit of a, you know, when we started the program, I think it was a lot of transfers because you, you're starting a program from scratch. And so to make a statement, you need established players. You don't have time to kind of build. And then we transitioned there uh, with the previous staff, they transitioned to more of a high school approach. And, and again, I, Look, they had tremendous success. You know, had three World Series appearances in in uh, in seven seasons. So, I mean, nothing is flawed here. But I think when you look across the way and you look at you know some of the transfers that are landing in the programs around us, you just start to look at it and go, "Now, wait a minute. Now, I feel like I've got a pretty good network that I can lean upon, that I can work." And so, I think we can be really great in this area. So. For instance, COVID, you know, talk about the silver lining through this whole thing. We really came out of COVID in, in a great place. We were able to sign 
a number of transfers, again, more half and half, Division One, Division Two, and then junior college players. And it has, it like, put this shot of electricity in our program where we offensively, we have two lineups. I mean, we legitimately feel like we can run two lineups out there. And because of the depth that we've created, our pitching staff, we've, you know, lost a couple seniors. We uh, lost a senior signed professionally with the Houston Astros, the national pitcher of the year. And so we knew we had to kind of make a, a stamp in that department. We were able to get a couple transfers uh, from that world that have walked in. I, I believe they're going to be legitimate weekend guys for us. We got another transfer coming at break that should be, uh, by all accounts, Division One transfer kids should be one of the hardest throwers in NAI. And, and that's where you just start to look at it. And I think as you move forward, you know, we've already signed a high school catcher. Uh, from Texas, great, really great player. Turned down some really good Division One opportunities, which comes back to the second part of your question. And again, they're not talking about winning. He's able to look at the website. You can't, you know, you, you can only roll smoke for so long until you start diving into the website where the stats live. Then you start realizing <laughs> you can talk about winning all you want, but it ain't been part of the program. And so that <laughs> that was where he started to open his eyes and say, "Nah, I'm, I'm engineered differently. I want to be around this." But we also signed a left-handed Juco arm from California. So, like, that's the the beauty of where we're at. We're able to kind of go back and forth. And so I think the 90-10 is where, I think, moving forward, each class for us will start to fall into play. So that's just, uh, when you look at the top five, that's where guys are making marks. Because, look, you're going to graduate or, or have a player sign professionally, and it's hard to say, okay, that was a 21, 22-year-old player Hey man, good luck in professional baseball. I hope this 18-year-old out of high school is ready to take your spot. You know, that that's really tough. Instead, you can yeah. go out and get a you know, 21-year-old junior college player or a 20 or 21-year-old uh, Division 1 transfer and he's going to fill that gap a little bit differently. So that's that's the mentality behind that. The second part yeah. of your question about the why those guys have landed is is back to what we just talked about like <laughs> you start to chase things. And this is just, man, this is just them understanding how the world works like no one's gonna be out there advertising their program if they're not confident in what they're doing and that's great that's part of it's no mm -hmm. different than the guy at the chevy lot wants me to buy a chevy and the guy down the street at the ford lot thinks ford's the best truck and you know everyone wants to sell what what's in front of them but it i think where at least we as as recruiters and in our program man i i'm not afraid to have a very black and white legitimate hey just like my dad would had with me and he sit down and, hey, let's lay everything out. So, again, what's important to you? Coach, I love to win. I want to be around winning. Sweet. What was our record last year? 23-2. and two. What was their record last year? 15-35. and 35. Okay. <laughs> so, who's winning? You know what I'm saying? All right, so I want to be around competitive people. I want to have a chance to play professional baseball. Great. We had this many people sign professionally a year ago. I mean, they have. And it's not negative recruiting. I don't get that twisted. Guys, these are facts. If, if mm -hmm. facts scare you, you should stop hanging around with people to tell the truth. You know, so like right, right. where you come back to is those guys, usually something starts to unravel. Now, when I say that, sometimes NAI has a moniker of taking and, and, and programs building players that have baggage, quote unquote. And I can honestly look both of you through the computer screen and tell you we did not sign one player with legitimate baggage. I'm talking trouble with the law, mm -hmm. kicked off a team, uh, in trouble for this, these issues. We went out and sorted through those conversations and only signed players that wanted more. That was the that was the crux of the conversation. I mean, I spent a lot of time in this studio talking on the phone with with kids <laughs> and trying to get to the crux of 
what are you what were you looking for and where did they fall short now what do you want to make in this next move what's important to you what boxes do you want to check in this next spot not hey coach i got kicked off the team i'm looking for a place to play hey man i'd love to come play there we built we believe in building the person if you build a better person you're going to build a better baseball player and not that we can't rehab folks and get them right and help them get rewired but again I think there's a better way for us to stay at the top is to go get guys that are intrinsically motivated, guys that are just, again, followed the sweatshirt, landed at a place, realized it wasn't where they wanted to be, and now they have a chance to go right that shit. And those are the kind of guys that fit here. Right. Sheets, I was, I was going to say, I really like what you said about, you know, asking the player what they want. Because there was in another podcast that we did, I think it was our third or fourth podcast with one of our former teammates, Nick Garcia, uh, who's drafted uh, the third round this year. And – it's exactly what he said. It's kind of like, okay, like how does a D3 guy get drafted in the third round? But Nick, like he had essentially his whole plan mapped out. And for him, like winning was a big thing and developing was a big thing. And he didn't think that was possible yeah. at the division one schools that he was getting yeah. recruited by. So like in high school, yeah. Was it like not the most popular decision that he could have made or, or like, big on social media type decision that he could have made. Like, sure. Yeah. But it, I mean, it turned out to work well for him, but I think that's something a lot of kids don't realize, but it also just takes a a level of maturity that a lot of kids probably just yeah. aren't ready for. Um, you know, like you just get caught up in the whole social media thing that you don't yep. really look at. Okay. Like what's after I commit and post on Instagram or Twitter and get a bunch of retweets and reposts. Like, what's after that? Am I just going to ride the bench for four years, or am I? You still got to go there. (laughs) So the retweets are over, and that 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 rush (laughs) of endorphins. Once that starts to move on, hey, like here we go. Now you got to go play there, and you know. So like, if you're if you're talking to again, I talk about this catcher who's coming from a program that in their high school in Texas, they they legitimately go you know, 30 and three, 30 and four, they're in the state championship game year in and year out. And you're telling me a kid engineered that way. That's grown up in that system that played little league and wanted mm-hmm. and everywhere he's been, man, he's won. And now he's been, you know, literally wired inside this program for four years that he's going to go to a program that goes 15 and 35 and he's gonna be fired up and his feet hit the floor every day. Like th- there's a reason that bad programs don't have reunions. It's because they hate each other. Like that's that's what we're playing. Like this is a miserable place. When you don't win a lot, it can be miserable. It can drain you. And by the way, scouts like to go watch good baseball. So like that's the thing in our in our state, we've solidified our place and we've solidified kind of what our brand is to where, you know, you're going to go watch Georgia and you're going to go watch Georgia Tech and those scouts know they better come by and see Georgia Gwinnett. Because again, the level, the player, the talent pool you know, for instance, our, our number one last year, I mentioned a minute ago, national pitcher of the year, zero ERA through 60 innings. Like lefty, lefty up Jesus. to 94. I'm telling you, <laughs> lefty up to 94 plus change up, 12 6 breaker, the whole thing, like ultra competitive. And he was slotted to be in the sixth or seventh round. Of course, the draft goes one round short from that. And he signs a free agent deal with the Astros. And I started talking to the Astros guy, and I said, well, what do you see in this? Like, why is this an important move for you guys? And he goes, because we don't have left-handed pitching, and I think he can walk in who he is, and and, the, and he's 23 years old. He's got a chance to come in and compete for a job, man. He could be a, a quick rise to the show. They're starting him in double A. Mm-hmm. 
Wow. That's unheard of wow. for a free agent. He is starting in double A. It's not, hey, let's see what happens in A ball and hope you work your way through long season. Yeah. And so that's where you come back to is, man, if you're really good where you're at, if you dominate your level, it doesn't matter what level you're on. Those guys like to be around winning teams. There's something different about a winning program than there is a really good player playing for a really bad program. There's something different that that guy mm-hmm. comes out of, whether it's leadership, whether it's ownership or responsibility of his performance. Uh, work ethic is certainly in most winning programs. There's a, there's a real blue collar work ethic. Those things scouts know are ingrained. That's why Garcia gets picked where he's at because Chapman has a name mm-hmm. and a brand and, and Lav has walked into that and built upon it. Scouts know what he's coming from. They know this is a great pick, not, Hey, he was a really good player on a bad team. Well, what comes with that is sometimes is lack of ownership, selfishness, um, you know, a, a, a true I mentality that doesn't bode well in some minor league locker rooms. So you just got to manage that. And again, I think that that's, those are the conversations we start to have with the scouting community. Do these transfers reach out to you? Um, Or like how much, I guess per se, are you reaching out first to guys who, who go into the transfer? Um, It's a lot of us. I mean, you know, the beauty of social media, um, you can, you can dog it in one hand, but man, I'll tell you what, flat ground app, um, Rob Friedman and Pitching Ninja, like those, those dudes have, have done wonders for the recruiting landscape. And so that's the beauty of, again, just having a Twitter account or having an IG account is you post your video and we'll scroll through and see it. So like, if for instance, IG, I'm rolling, just, just, just trying to play catch up, man. Just trying to make sure I didn't miss anything. And this random mm-hmm. account that I followed, you know, with these, uh, with these prospects shows this really smooth looking infielder from Hawaii. And I know Hawaii, and here I am in Georgia. And I'm like, but this kid can freaking play. He can move. His actions are really good. His glove works. Left-handed stick. Man, he's going to get stronger. And I'm going, am I really going to reach out to this kid from Hawaii? Like, is am I really going <laughs> to do this? And we got on a call last week, and he's fired up. He's going to jump on a plane and come see this place. So, like, when it comes to the transfer portal, that that's that we don't have to do much of anything because once those guys decide that they're looking to move on, Man, it's stay glued to Twitter, stay glued to to Flatground, and there's going to be a video posted. And then generally you lean on your network at that point. So like, you know, video posted a couple nights ago of a guy looking to leave and instead of me having to follow him, hope that he follows me back and, you know, you know, hit him a DM instead of him just having open DMs, which is a whole nother educational process. But, you know, um, I, I just <laughs> I know a guy that knows that can, that I know can get to him or can give me the honest shoot on this guy. And so I reached and text out that guy. What do you think of this cat? Yeah, man, it's a good, it's a good arm, man. He's a really good kid, hard worker, like all the things line up. He's just not happy here. And so we just start to have a conversation. So it's usually birthed out of a lot of social media. Um, you know, we obviously we follow every guideline and rule. We respect every program. I think that's a that's a key in the coaching community, period. But even within NAI to NCAA, you know, there can be, you know, NCAA doesn't necessarily honor our letter of intent and and, you know, and you just got to be mindful of that. So sometimes if we sign a guy and an NCAA program wants to, you know, still talk to him, they certainly can, but just realize that's a little sleight of hand. And that's something that I'm probably not going to sit back and let happen in our program. So you just got to, you know, play by the rules and do things the right way. And, and generally, if you stay within those, those lines, man, things tend to work out. And you always are able to navigate that and you can get on the phone through the portal, talk with the kids, talk with the people around them, get a feel for who he is and, and hopefully make the right choice and the right fit. Sheets, you brought up two 
really, really interesting points that I want to touch on. The first one, sure. I love that you, you brought up social media. We've, we've, we've talked about yeah. it countless times on, on the player's side. But also on the flip side, I mean, I, I was going through um, your guys' own uh, program Instagram mm-hmm. account. And the stuff that you guys are doing over there now with IGTV and Reels mm-hmm. um, was super, super interesting to me. Um, so if you could walk us through kind of the, the, what, like, why are you guys doing that? How are you guys utilizing that in your recruiting process? Oh boy. Thank you very much for teeing me up for this one. Um, so, uh, <laughs> I'll go maybe a year ago when I, when I started to get in the mix for this job, um, and I laid out a lot of, uh, of our resume, so I don't have to rehash that, but you know, I felt like, you know, this program's still searching for its first national championship. And I feel like even the winning and the rankings and all that stuff and World Series appearances, we're still a sleeping giant. And I, I say that because I feel like it's it's not just – I don't mean – I want this to be taken in the right spirit. I don't think we can win just one. I think this has a, the, the makings and the skeleton to build a program within it that has a chance to be a consistent contender for the national championship. I mean, again, it takes work ethic. It takes a lot of luck. It takes a lot of – a lot of factors, but I think that this program can walk into that. And I just knew, again, my background coming from the ABCA and, and running social media over there. And I'm like, gosh, I follow all these big accounts. Why, why can't an NAI run a pro, you know, a social media account like a Division One account? Like, why can't we? Like, what, what's standing in our way? So, like, I tried to do some stuff last year. I did interviews live on the field, more of a fraternal thing. I want to showcase the other coach and sometimes showcase our players and. We went live on Periscope before games. It was really cool, and, and, and obviously I want to build upon that. And then over the course of, of literally COVID, we went from having myself and three assistants to myself and eight assistants. And so we've got a number of volunteer guys that saw the potential in our program that are literally not getting a dime from me or our program that are part of what we do. Two guys in particular are strictly player development. And, and Brandon and Ford are two of the smartest young guys I've ever been around, and they're building their resume. They know that if they build something here, and again, if we win, we all get paid, then they're going to have an opportunity to go wherever they want to go in life, whether that's college baseball or into professional baseball, full-time catching coach, full-time infield coach, full-time outfield coach. And, you know, so it just starts to lay out to where we've got a lot of things covered. I always say I'm, the, I'm like the most like meaningless guy at practice. I open the meeting. I do our mindfulness training. I, I crush base running. Then I just sit around and watch practice for an hour and a half. Like I have nothing else to do. We have so many bodies. Um, but didn't you start to realize that people have strengths that are, that are different than baseball? One in particular, Kyle Norton, who's our assistant AD, our outfield coach. He's an OG, original Grizzly. He played here and has been coaching here ever since. And he's got a, a legitimate like skill set. As you guys notice in the videos, that's all him. He has a skill to break down film, build these, you know, these really sharp videos, very eye-pleasing, very informational. And I'm like, man, I'm telling you, if you can, if you can devote time to this, you're going to see things really explode for what we're doing. And so I have had to make concessions on his baseball input and baseball, you know, almost availability at practice so that he can walk around with this camera and, and film things. And instead of having that other body that's there, and he's our third base coach, and I just, hey, man, we don't need it. We don't need base coaches. We're fine. We'll, we'll be without that because this is so important to us. And so giving him the freedom 
to explore this. He's got his drone license. He can he can drop a drone on a dime. And you're starting to just give people their opportunity to to build something from nothing. And that's to me, it's that ownership, it's that empowerment that um you notice great leaders give the people around them. And so it's not by any stretch directed for me. This is going, hey man, you think you're really good at it? Put a cool video together. Let's put it out. Hey, do you think you can do it again this week? Hey, let's start doing these coaches' corners videos. It's going to require a lot of work, man. Coach, I'm all about it. Let's stay, let's keep me keep me organized. Let me know what we're going to shoot that week, and we'll figure it out. Um, Brandon literally created our player development account from dust, and is populating that with content. Certainly, I'm doing my own stuff, and we're growing these accounts. And really, the idea to answer your question, the crux of it, you got me fired up there for a second. <laughs> um, the crux of it is, we feel like we can run a small college baseball account like an SEC program in terms of daily content, in terms of a consistent message. We all know this is marketing 101. It's not brain surgery. This is literally how you market your program, which is now open doors to where I'm calling coaches around the country and they're going, oh yeah, I follow you guys on Twitter. you know, Or, hey coach, I got a player for you, man. I'm telling you, this guy's going to be really good. Well, hey, how'd you run across our program? Well, I saw you guys on Twitter. So like the 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 residual effect of that can be just almost uh you can't wrap your mind around how far those things can go and we're only a couple months in brother we we haven't even scratched the surface of the ideas we have and where we want to go um but that is the the almost the the crux of exactly why we we started what we started and again we're just getting warmed up that's kind of the feeling that I got when I went on on your page was it reminded me a lot of those very active whether it be SEC, Pac-12, just the the major yeah. the major programs around the country, but and, and I think that's a really really interesting and unique to today's age recruiting tool that can kind of give mm -hmm. a really good insight into a program. But the the other the other point that you brought up that that I want our listeners to hear because they they a lot of them I feel might not know because there's not a lot of information out about it, but just kind of mm -hmm. go into if you can give a, a short spiel on what's the biggest difference between the NTAA and NAIA, whether it be recruiting rules, playing wise, just mm. kind of give, give us your thoughts on that. Yeah. Glaring differences are, you know, certainly participation. There's 300 uh, around 300 division one programs. We have about 190 roughly NAI programs. Um, you know, division one can rank from all private, uh, to public and everywhere in between. The majority of NEI programs are going to be private schools. We are one of the unique uh, public state institutions that, that play NEI baseball, but a lot of private institutions, a lot of NEI schools are uh, in essence religious driven. So they could be a Christian school, a Methodist school, a uh, Catholic school, um, have some type of affiliation. Again, ours doesn't just uh, being a state school. And when you start to kind of come down from that, now it gets into you know, scholarships, you know, Division I, 11.7, Division II, max of nine, Division III, none. NEI has a max of 12, but there are exemptions to that. So if a kid makes good grades and he's on a certain amount of money, uh, that money may not count against your program. So you can only play up to 12 scholarships worth on a, on a uh, in a season. Um, but that's not every program. Not everybody has 12 scholarships. We are one that that is not fully funded. Um, so we don't have up to 12 scholarships. We have a certain allotment of money that we've got to work with and uh, and build our program around it. So the scholarship uh, is a little bit different. 
the rules are a little bit different in that NCAA. You know, generally on the on the Division One, Division Two have the hours limit. No, Division Three has the weeks. We have a week limit, so we have 24 weeks throughout the year. And generally, you break that up with eight weeks in the fall, and it takes you about 15 or 16 weeks to play every every game in the spring. Uh, but we do not have an hours restriction, so that's something that's unique. Um, you know, where we don't have uh, anyone checking in and saying, "Hey, you know, you're you're running over your allotment." We just have those weeks that we have to work within, and um, we we're very mindful of that we train every day from 1:30 to 5. Period. We stop the clock at five o'clock. We get our guys out of town. We're not marathon guys <laughs> that that go for six, seven, eight hours. Um, so the hours restrictions different, um, and that those to me are kind of like the the glaring differences. And again, when you talk about you know um, level of play and level of talent, you know I think when you're when you're looking at you know the top end of Division Two, the top end of Division Two could go play a lot of mid major to upper mid major Division One programs and be just fine. I mean the level of talents there, and a lot of times that's the same way at the top of Division Three, the top end teams have talent that can go in there and compete with division one schools. And it's happened, man. I've a good friend of mine, uh, Brian Harrison, who's at Baldwin Wallace. They knocked off a division one a few years ago. Um, Bill Kirch at Webster, they consistently play used to play division one schools. And you just start to see some of that, that the talent can be equal at times, just, to, you know, catching people at the right time. Well, it's the same way with NAI. The top end of NAI, man, is, is a really, really exciting brand of baseball. But I think there's a lot of disparity as you start to work down, similar to Division Three. It's 383 Division Three schools, mm-hmm. and the top end and the bottom end are, are couldn't be in two different worlds. Well, it's the same way in Division One, same way in Division Two, same way in Division Three and NAI. Like there's there's a glaring spectrum of where people land uh, in the space. So it's really you know probably comparable to Division Two or again mid major Division One baseball. Um, but there are those different rules exemptions that that uh, that make it different. Right. She's going on that on that comment about talent level. I remember I was playing in the Northwoods last summer and I saw, we played this kid, he was on Duluth mm. and he went to Faulkner and he, he might've been the best hitter on Duluth. It was, it was just impressive to watch his BP and, you know, to see him going to an NAIA school. And that was really the first time I'd really seen an NAIA player. And yeah. I was, yeah. I was impressed. I really was, you know, I think there are a lot of, um, you know, people just don't know the talent level at, at some of these top divisions. Uh, Another schools. really cool little um, caveat I'll throw in there is that, you know, in AI, you can play professional baseball and get released and then come back and still have NAI eligibility. So we have our two shortstops mm-hmm. right now who both were high school drafts, both played professionally, both got released, and both are inside our program. Uh, you know, if, if again, when you're talking about talent, we try, I try to post about them as much as I can. I need to do a better job. But, like, when you watch our shortstop, I mean, I coached the University of Kentucky for three years. We had an All-American, a freshman All-American. We had um, an All-SEC second-base shortstop. And he is as good, if not better, than those two guys. And I get it. He plays NAI. I understand that. But when you watch this cat, we're going to have a tough time, you know, filling that gap when he signs professionally again just because, man, he's so stinking good. And that's that's when you start to – you know, these mm-hmm. guys that are on these levels, especially when you're at the top of whatever level you're on, these guys can play, man, and they can play in multiple spots. So it's it's almost like, you know, you're going back to the, the, the levels and, and certainly a player sorting through those. If you laid out pros and cons and you had each level covered up with a hat and the player just went through and went, you know what, I want to play here because the talent level fits me. Uh, the, the, the pros and cons, man, they weigh heavily in my favor here. 
I choose this school. And oh, by the way, they play Division Three. That's what it's about. It's about finding the right fit, as opposed to mm-hmm. by some reason players feel like later in life they're going to be able to walk in and say, "Hey, man, you know, I, you know, I played Division One baseball back in the day." And I'm like, "Well, I'd love to pay you six figures for that, man. That's great. Thanks for coming in. We really <laughs> you get the job." Versus, you know, I played Division Three baseball. Oh, well, yes, yeah, it was just Division Three. Yeah, we won the national championship. So I'm not sure if you guys, yeah, did you, you ever, you ever, you ever won your last game? Yeah, our team was pretty good. We had a few, few professional guys <laughs> on our team. We we're pretty good. But the level doesn't matter. Like at that point, you're, you're literally working on what you learned during that time. And again, if you're around the right coaching staff and around the right teammates and inside the right framework, you're going to set yourself up for success, not not wearing a cool sweatshirt. We got nice gear too. We got Nike contact. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, so this is our last question, and it's a question I've honestly always wanted to ask a coach. But how do you go about making decisions on, you know, scholarship money and like how much you're going to get? <sighs> That's a great guy? question, and um, it's tough, man. That's one of the toughest things that that we have to do it really comes down to need or on both fronts, what the player needs and then what we need to offer to get him to say yes. Okay. So generally, especially here in the state of Georgia, you know, if they have good grades, they, they can apply for the hope scholarship. The hope scholarship pays 88% of their college tuition. Now our school is only $5,800 for the year in state. $5,800 ain't a lot. I don't know what you, I've done damage to a car before and it's been more than $5,800. Like that, it ain't a whole lot. <laughs> and, and so you're coming off of 88% of that. So we have guys that are on the hope scholarship because they took care of business in the classroom and, and they may only have, you know, 1500 bucks left to pay. Well, generally, if we look at him, we look at the family, we know their situation. Hey guys, are you guys comfortable paying $1,500? We are. That's gonna, okay, great. And again, we're not fully funded and we're very open about that in recruiting every dollar matters to us you know we've got a junior college kid that i think will commit on monday he's coming over for a visit and another nai went up against them and i found out what their offer was and i know what their tuition is and i know what that leaves him in the bank and uh knowing that i call the guy and we're, we're back and forth and he wants to be here and i really want him to be here and, and i said but look i know it does come down to dollars and cents and we're talking about we're coming off of fifty eight hundred dollars right I understand, coach. I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make this really easy on you. We're going to take care of all that. And he's like, are you kidding me? I said, the only thing you've got to worry about is where are you going to live? And we'll help coordinate that with you. You'll live with our baseball guys. It's, you know, could be $300, $400 a month in living. You got your food, all that stuff. You're going to take care of that. So whatever money you left, which was left you this amount at the other school, we're literally asking you to pay for that to help yourself live while we pay for the rest of your school. Now, when you're laying out money per class, you know, and you know what your total allotment is, you never want a huge chunk of money left in one class. So we know what we have to spend within this group. And I'm trying to manage that relative to need. And so I feel like we have two outfielders that if they have the seasons that they're projected to have and the way they've trained to to have, there's a good chance they both sign professionally. Well, we need this player to come in and literally play left field or right field for us next year. So that's why I'm willing to pay for his school, number one, because we need him. Number two, he needs to hear that we're going to cover it. So that shows our investment in him. And, uh, again, if those things fall into place, we're going to need that guy to come in and 
and hitting our three or our four hole. So you kind of balance that back and forth. When it comes to the transfer stuff, again, if, if we need an immediate need, that's where we have to go get a transfer player. Like a it's very tough, very few on our level, very few 18-year-olds can walk in and jump in the middle of a lineup and run with it. That Those are few and far between. They happen, but it's few and far between. You can do it more on the pitching end than you can maybe the positional end because you play every day. We had a freshman of the year that led the country in saves. Um, you can do that. But I think when it comes down to that money, you just got to be smart about what where the family kind of fits in. We have, we have one player in particular. We 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 before I got there, they offered this scholarship, and I said, "Man, that's a healthy scholarship." This cat, he's driving a a Jeep that's got wheels on it. That I, I mean, I don't even know if those are in the store. Like, what are where is he getting all this money? And I come to face <laughs> from a lot of money, and I said, "Hey, man, we're you and I need to have a really honest conversation. Do you necessarily need that much scholarship money?" He goes. <laughs> Coach, I mean, I'm not, I mean, we got money. I go, okay, so if we take some of that back, and this isn't a like a knock on your ability, dude, you're, you're going to get the baseball for us. He's a he's the perfect bridge guy on any pitching staff. But, man, we can use that money to go get you a better, literally a better third baseman that can score runs for you, that can go stretch leads for us offensively. Would you want me to do that? Or do you, you guys necessarily need that two, 3000 bucks in your, in your account? He goes, Coach, I want this team to win, man. Yeah, whatever you got to do financially, we'll figure the rest of it out. Does that make sense? But it's but it's it's the willingness to have a, like an open and honest conversation. Like, can your family afford this, Coach? We're good. Mm-hmm. Great. That's more money that we can go get a next player that'll be right beside you in the locker room that'll help us win more games. So that's how we manage it, and maybe some others don't. We don't have just full rides we're throwing around. And <laughs> I wish, boy, I'd be I'd be walking. I'd go, uh, I'd go like uh, the roof, uh, sunroof, and I just just drop one dollar bills out the sunroof if we had all that money. We don't, man. Every dollar matters to <laughs> us, and so we just got to be smart, and intelligent how we spend it. That I think the <laughs> openness that you just you just brought up, I think that is something that I don't hear a lot about mm. um, when when I've talked with people about scholarships or so that that I. I think that's a really, really important aspect that you just talked about, and and and, and thank you for, for yeah. sharing for sharing that. But but she's thank you for for sharing all of this. I mean, this was an awesome, awesome episode, um, and I'm so happy that we got you to come on the show. And thank you for 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 your energy. I mean, this was this was absolutely awesome. Well, I appreciate the opportunity, and to your point. I think you got to be authentically you at all times. Like I'm not, this is who I am in recruiting. This is who I am in the dugout. It's the same dude every day. And um, being willing to go to some of those places, I think shows a little bit of vulnerability, but dude, that's, I mean, that's how we run our program. So it'd be my players. If they heard this and they heard me guarded, they would go coach. What was up, man? You didn't like the guy or what? Like (laughs) they would, they would know. And so I think when you come down to it, man, you've got to represent yourself, put your best foot forward at all times be the best version of you. The best version of me is literally I'm sitting here drinking a cup of coffee and I got a stain on my shirt. Like that, that's who I am on a day, daily basis. So I just, I appreciate the opportunity to sell our program and educate some folks. And I appreciate what you guys are doing out there for, for these families. Well, Sheets, good luck with, with this season. Hopefully, hopefully everything is able to go on smoothly uh, yeah. with COVID and everything, but best, best of luck to you, your team now. And, and in the, in the future, you guys are going to have, much success from what i can tell here thank you very much wish the best to you guys best luck in the podcast game
Welcome back, everybody. Th- that was awesome. That interview with Sheets was chalk, chalk full of information that I, I think is super valuable. But also, it was, it was so authentic. Coach Sheets was energized and giving you guys the real deal, and basically showing you that there's great baseball at all levels, but there's also great coaches at all levels. And Coach Sheets loves what he does and loves college baseball, loves recruiting, but also loves providing this type of information for for everybody involved in college baseball. So I, I hope you guys enjoyed this one. We definitely loved loved recording it. And if you enjoyed this, please spread the word about this. If you think someone could benefit from listening to this, send it to them. Shout us out on Instagram. Shout us out on Twitter. And make sure you follow us on those accounts too. We're, we're providing content on there that, that we think could be of value to you guys. And it's a great way for us to, to naturally grow our podcast. So reach out and follow us on Instagram, on Twitter, uh, like us on Facebook, and check out our website. We're, we're trying, to, trying to get some very, very uh, beneficial information on there as well. So uh, until next time, guys, uh, in episode three of our five-part coaches series, we'll catch you guys in the next one.